It is indeed a good day. Oh, I've sung that song many times, and uh, I guess it's uh, a combination of the message God's laid on my heart and, uh, and the fact that tomorrow is uh, Veterans Day. Um, Mona, take a look at my pen, if you haven't. It says, Proud Veteran. That's a healthy kind of proud, and, and it took me a good while before I could uh, feel good. Not about what I did, but... that my heart, when I went to war, was pure. And that the cause was just. The way that war was fought was not. And it just emphasized what God has come to show me, that it's important that we do the right thing, but it's also important that we do the right thing the right way. And for those of you that may not know, I, I'm a Vietnam vet. And, and part of my struggle was I, I was with the Air Force. I was in a safer place than a lot of people. When people would say, uh, are you a Vietnam vet? I said, oh, no, I, I was in Thailand until I was confronted by some Vietnam vets and said, uh, at that time, I was working in the VA. They said, Chaplain, uh, did you get that little red, yellow, and green ribbon? And that other green and white one with a little metal thing on it? I said, yeah. He says, uh, you're a Vietnam vet. Are you ashamed of that? And I said, no. I just uh, didn't have to go through what you guys went through. Um, nah. I've had more since I've been back and realized all that we uh, were involved with. But I want us to take a look this morning at John chapter 21. A message that we find throughout Scripture. I, I, I love uh, the Gospel of John. It's different from all the others. Uh, it doesn't follow the chronology that the others follow, because John's purpose was, was different. And in chapter, I believe it's chapter 20 towards the end, he, he says that there's a lot other wonders that, uh, that I could tell you about. And if they were all recorded, there wouldn't be enough scrolls to contain them all. But I've written these things that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, and that through faith in him, you might have everlasting life. I, I, that's the purpose of his writing. And I think it's neat the way he ends it with this particular uh, account, of which he was very much a part of. Uh, John's interesting when his writings, he uh, will refer to himself as the other disciple, 
or he'll refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now listen, Jesus loved all of his disciples. He even told God that in his prayer in Gethsemane. Um, But the love that he had for John was the uh, philos, that reciprocal, that affectionate kind of love. Jesus, most often when he spoke, uh, used the term agapao, uh, which is agape, that, that speaks of a broader love, a love that is very much centered in the heart, but it is also very much connected to the brain, to the mind. It, it, it was a love... I put it like this. I've had uh, someone say to me when I expressed love, uh, why do you love me? And I had to really think about that. Because if, if, I, if I say, well, I, I, I love you because you love me, or I love you because of the things that you do, or, or I love you because of this or that, it, it, it's that... Philos, which is good. I mean, it's a good, healthy love. But the bottom line is that I love, and, and I'm speaking of my wife, I love my wife because she is her. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can't explain it. It is a love that is drawn out of me. I can't take credit for it. You know what it is. You've all experienced that. If you've experienced Christ, that love dwells within you. And, and, and you may even say to yourself, why, why do I keep contact with this person? I mean, they, they're an enemy to me. But what was it Jesus said? What are we, how are we supposed to treat our enemy? Love them. And the word that he used there was that word agape or agapao. It, it, it's, it's, it is the love that God has for us, but it, it, it's a love that is its own source. And, and, and we don't have to have a reason for expressing it, we just do. And it's good. And and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Love is a very central uh, theme in the New Testament. We we find it many, many times. Matter of fact, one of the very popular ones is John 3.16. Everybody here know that one? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have uh, everlasting life. Uh, Jesus said, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and reveal myself to him. Um, In John, we are also told, no greater love, no one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friends. And something that's interesting, that word uh, friends is the word philos. That brotherly love, the ones that 
we have affection and, uh, and compassion for. Serving as a chaplain in the VA hospital, I've come to see that passage of no one has greater love. We know it refers to Christ, and, and, and we use it so often for those who have died for their country, whether they be military or first responders. Um, but I tell you what, there's a group of people that I've come to appreciate so much that did not die. Sometimes they wished they had. Um, but they gave up a quality of life. They gave up a way of life that they could never got back. They would get back something that resembled what they had before, but um, especially in war, but even with first responders, with the trauma that they uh, are witness uh, to, it, it, it changes your life. And, uh, and I think it's good for us to acknowledge the love that they have. And they may not acknowledge it as a love that comes from God, but it does. God will express that love even from, or even with unbelievers, because that's who God is. Matter of fact, um, another passage is found in 1 John 4.16, it says, and we have come to know and to believe, and that word believe means to, I think it's the Amplified Bible, it says to trust in, to rely on, to adhere to. We have come to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. There was a time when uh, preaching about love and emphasizing uh, love, because there were those that, you know, talk about you just love everybody, and everybody will love you, and, you know, that... That's not what we're talking about here. But it, but, but it is important to notice that in Christ, the love of God dwells in us. And God loves us. And Jesus loves us. I have found in my own life, but also in people that God has allowed me to minister to, that it is important for us to acknowledge love and to accept it until we accept God's love. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean by accepting his love is to recognize his forgiveness to us for anything that we have uh, committed. We will not be able to love others until we come to accept the love that God has for us. You know, and, and I'm not saying, well, you can't love others till you love yourself. Well, there's some truth in that, but we're talking about something a whole lot deeper than that. We're talking about accepting the love that God has for us. And the love that God has for us is, is deeper and wider and broader and, and, and all than we can imagine. Um, we refer to it many times as grace, but when we talk about grace, it's, it's the love of God. And the grace of God is, is broader and deeper and higher than anything that we imagine, even if we imagine grace as being 
spectacular and awesome and very, very much needed in our lives. Earlier in uh, 1 John, he talks about love again when he says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. And the one who loves not, uh, for, for the one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who loves or hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know and have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our life for our brothers. One of the things that excites me about living legacy is that uh, I am seeing that. Uh, I, I, I see it in the community groups. If you haven't been a part of a community group, I think are we con- th- there were only supposed to be eight weeks. Did we meet eight times, Ramona? Yeah. It ain't going to land, okay? So you'll have an opportunity. But <clears throat> to become a part of others, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout your life. Because Jesus said, by this will others know that you are my disciples. Not by your pure doctrine, which is important. Not by your church attendance which is important, the scriptures say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And it's not talking about Sunday morning. It's talking about getting together with other Christians. It's, it's not about sharing your faith, which is important. And the Great Commission to, to as you go, make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by your love, one for another. Folks, it's important. It was important in Jesus' day, and it's important in our day. The setting for this passage in in John chapter 21, we're going to take a look at the the whole thing, but we're going to focus mainly on the verses 14 through 19. But the setting was, Jesus had already um, appeared twice to his disciples. John's the only one that, that uh, talks about Jesus meeting with the ten and then later the eleven. You know, Thomas was missing the first time around. And, and John even says uh, in chapter 21 that this is the third time that he had appeared with his disciples. Now, the others talk about Jesus appearing to uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Je- or John, and, and the other Mary. And, 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 and it talks about the, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, but John is the one that talks about Jesus meeting with his uh, disciples. And he, he, he told them, matter of fact, in at Matthew or Luke, where it talks about uh, Mary uh, meeting Jesus. And Jesus said, go and tell the disciples, you know, to go to Galilee and I will meet them there. 
And, and it, it was sort of like um, Abraham, when God sent him out, he says, uh, Abraham, I, I, I want you to leave your family in this area, and I want you to go to a place that I'll let you know where it is when you get there. You know, and, and that was sort of the word that Jesus said to his disciples. Go into Galilee and I'll meet you there. It's sort of like, well, where are we going to meet you? You know, he says, you just go and I will we'll meet you there. As they went as a group, we don't know what all happened. Some, some commentaries say when, when Peter made the statement, uh, I'm going to go fishing that he was saying, I'm going to go back to my, to my trade, to what I, I did. And, and, and those that say that say it's because of the, the guilt and regret that he had for uh, denying Christ. Because he was the one that said, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll never forsake you. Though others flee, I won't. And Jesus even told him, that's not the truth. But when you turn around, when you are converted, uh, it's that word, repent, you know, strengthen your brothers. I mean, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. And I believe that this encounter, it was for all of the disciples, but it was very much for, uh, for John, that he might know how love works. And if there's a title to this message, it's what love does. One of the things we see in John chapter 21 is that love initiates. And the loving God in us will initiate too. You know, there's many times when we say, well, I'm just going to wait till they respond. And they maybe should be the ones to respond first, but love will, will take the first step. Uh, it will uh, confirm their status or their need um, as they fished all night and uh, labored and didn't catch anything. There was a man standing on the shore, and he said to them, uh, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> and they said, no. Love also gives help. And correction, and he says, well, it's because you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Duh. I mean, I, I'm not a great fisherman. Matter of fact, I learned fishing uh, when I was in Mississippi a lot because someone would say, hey, preacher, uh, why don't we go fishing this week? You know, and that meant to uh, take a cane pole with a little bobber on it, and and um, we'd go by a, is it Tecabwa tree? And they had these worms, sturdy little worms, and you could put that on and use it all day. I mean, you could catch fish on it, and this thing was so strong that it wouldn't come off of the hook, and you would put it out there and find a nice soft spot and, and, and just visit with one another. Uh, their fishing was different. And, and, and the love of Christ came to them and said to them, Throw your net on the other side of the ship or the boat. I'm sure that it brought back memories 
of the first time that some of these disciples met him. Remember when he first called his disciples and he was teaching along the Sea of Galilee and the crowds started gathering around him and sort of crowding him in and he, he wasn't able to speak to everybody. And so he, uh, he saw two ships and one of them, or two boats there along the shore. One of them was, uh, was owned by uh, Peter. The other men were cleaning their nets and he stepped into Peter's boat and told Peter to push off from the shore a little bit and he continued to teach and to preach. But then he said to Peter, um, take your net and throw it into the water. And he said, well, we've, we've fished and fished and we haven't caught anything. And he says, but because you tell me, I'm going to do it. And he did it. And the net <clears throat> was so full that it began to break. And he called to his, his uh, friends in the other boat and they came out and they brought in this great multitude of, of fish. I, I'm sure when Jesus told them, to cast the net on the other side, that that came to mind. And John tells us that he was the one that said to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter didn't recognize it, but as soon as John said something, Peter um, responded. Because love can be impulsive. Have you ever been impulsive out of love? Have you ever had anybody that uh, sort of jumped in ahead of themselves simply because they love and care for you and may have made things a little bit worse than they needed to be? Peter was that kind of guy. And it said that he took off his outer garment and he, and he, he jumped in and he swam and he, he, uh, he left the work of dragging all these fish to the other disciples. Uh, and as they came ashore, uh, Jesus expressed another uh, another way that love um, expresses itself. He said to the disciples, uh, "Bring some fish. Bring some of your fish." Now Jesus already had some fish on the coals, and, and I don't know if he really needed the other fish. But, but God is that way. He allows us. Love engages us in what God's doing. What was the book that was written? Was it entitled Believing God or Experiencing God? And the, the main thrust of that book was recognize where God's working and join him there. You know, so often we want to do something for God and, and we don't realize that God's already doing. Uh, he just wants you to come alongside and, uh, and be involved with him. And, and, and he shows us that here. Love also invites, because Jesus said to the disciples, come and have breakfast with me, fellowship with me commune with me. And we don't know how long that took place because John doesn't indicate it in Scripture, but it said that after they had eaten, evidently while they were still together, Jesus uh, went to, uh, to Peter and said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Because a, a, another characteristic of love, of what love does, is that it restores You've experienced that? 
God's faithful to do that. It takes away some a while sometimes. Depending on how life has treated you. This week was a, a bit busy for me. I did a wedding yesterday. And of course we had a rehearsal on Friday. Thursday morning, the groom got up and he was coming downstairs. And evidently there was something on the step that he didn't notice and he was carrying something and he stepped on it and his his foot came out from under him and he went down and uh, and his other foot caught on the step and bent his foot backwards. And he, he, he broke his femur bone, dislocated his uh, ankle. As a matter of fact, it's still dislocated. He's going in for surgery on Tuesday to get that fixed. So here he comes to the uh, wedding rehearsal in a wheelchair. Uh, at that time, he didn't even have the thing that kept his leg propped up. We'd pull a chair over and let him uh, elevate his leg now and then. But we, we had to sort of redo the whole rehearsal thing. I, I mean, just think, you know, how do bride and groom do the things they do when you've got your foot all wrapped up? It wasn't a cast, but it sort of looked that way. And, and they told him, put no weight at all. Forget the term that his mom used because she's a nurse. And, uh, and, and she was constantly watching him. I mean, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't put any weight on it. Yesterday at the wedding, when uh, he was determined to have a dance with his bride, and he danced on one leg. Now, he didn't move, you know. Uh, he, he turned, you know, a little bit. But I'm thinking to myself, how do you dance on uh, one leg? And when he, um, when he danced with his mom, they both sat on chairs and held one another's hand and just uh, cried because his mom, who's a, a musician as well as a, a nurse, had written a song and... Uh, and sang it. She didn't sing it there. She had recorded it, and uh, I mean, it, it was beautiful. And it was a, a mother singing to her uh, son, who was uh, was getting married. And you could see the love of these two. Once they come to recognize the love of God that I talk to them about an awful lot, uh, it's just going to explode because they, they are very, very close and, and very much connected to one another. Uh, but you add in the love of God, and it's just going to be unlimited. But love restores. When Jesus spoke to uh, Peter, he gave him an opportunity to express his care for, uh, for Peter. Now, you may have heard this before, but one of the significance, I think, of this passage, and sometimes it's overlooked, is that Jesus used that word agape or agapao. And Peter responded with that affectionate, um, more emotional kind of term of a philos. Peter, do you love me with an unconditional love? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I, that 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 I am very affectionate to you. I, I I've showed it, you know. I mean, 
Peter, in his impulsiveness, when uh, the guards came to take Jesus away, when Judas uh, turned him over, uh, Peter, I think it's John's the one that that tells us who the disciple is. Uh, in Matthew and Luke, and maybe even in Mark, they say, and one of the disciples drew a sword and cut off the servant's ear. But John says it was Peter um, that um, Peter carried. Okay? Uh, a matter of fact, several of his disciples were what they would call of that day zealots. I mean, they recognized what the scripture said about the Messiah, but what they expected was a political overthrow of the, go- of the Roman government by the uh, nation of Israel. That, that's really what they expected. And they were very zealous uh, about that. But, uh, but Jesus said, uh, Peter, put your sword away. And then we're told that he picked up the ear and it replaced it. Um, Jesus does that. God is the creator of all. And John, in his writing, says, and there wasn't anything that was created but that the word that Christ was not involved in. Why he doesn't do that every time, I don't know. But I know that love is behind it all. Um, Jesus knew the depth of Peter's uh, love and spirituality from the very beginning in in, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am. And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And the one that responded, it was probably that impulsive thing, you know, as Peter said, you know, sort of like, you're the Christ, Son of the living God. Peter recognized that. Matter of fact, when Jesus first called Peter, he said, um, your name shall be Cephas, which meant rock. I mean, he saw the quality within uh, Peter, but Peter had to be humbled. And even in this encounter, Jesus persisted with him that he might express the humility that was needed for him to be who God wanted him to be in the early church. Because the man that was broken before the Lord was the one, not many days later, that stood uh, in Jerusalem and preached probably one of the most powerful sermons that the early Christian church had ever heard. And, and, the, and the people of Jerusalem, where he even accused the, the Jews, he said, and, and, and this man that God has anointed, who was the Messiah, you killed. You put to death. But here, Jesus confronted uh, Peter. He, he said the first time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded, and he says, feed my lamb. Second time, 
He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Using the word agape, and Peter responded with the word philos, saying, yes, Lord, you know, I, I, I love you. And then he said, shepherd my sheep. It's that word to tend to my sheep. Now, the, the Greek language isn't as exact as the English language, and sometimes these words are, uh, are interchanged. But, uh, but something that's important for us to recognize, that love is not a noun. <laughs> it's a verb. I mean, there's action. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. When he said to Peter, you love me, feed my sheep, tend to my sheep. I've just uh, read through, see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Started reading through the Bible. I'm up to uh, Habakkuk. But... uh, In uh, Ezekiel, I came across this passage when uh, God told, uh, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord says to the shepherds. And he was talking about the prophets and priests of that day. Who to, woe to the shepherds of Israel who have, uh, who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't they, the shepherds, Feed the flock. You eat the fat, you wear the wool, and butcher the fatlings, but you do not tend to my flock. Should you not strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bandage the the, uh, injured, uh, bring back the strays, and seek the lost? You want to know what it is to, uh, to shepherd God's flock? It's to do those things. And I'm sad to say there's a lot of pastors that, that are not. I, I wish I'd have had this passage uh, when, uh, when I first started pastoring, but, but God showed me that stuff anyway. But it, it, it's important. Jesus said to John, if you love me, tend to my sheep. Care for the sheep. And then he asked him the Third time, Peter, do you love me? And it says that that Peter was struck to to the core, to his heart, that Jesus said to him the third time, Peter, do you love me? You've probably heard it say a lot that that he was upset because Jesus did this three times, and it reminded him of his denial three times. And, and, And that's very legitimate. But if you look at the language and... A lot of the translations don't show that, but this time, Jesus, instead of using the word agape, said to Peter, do you love me as a brother? I mean, he challenged even the love that Peter said that he had to him. And Peter knew why. It was because of his action. Because when... He and John followed Jesus, and they went into that uh, area, and uh, John was there. Matter of fact, John stayed with him. John was there when he was crucified, stood alongside of Jesus' uh, mother, Mary. Uh, But Peter, when he was challenged about his relationship 
to Jesus, he said, I don't know him. I, I, I don't know him. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, do you, do you even love me as a, as a brother? And I love Peter's response. And folks, if you've never used it, look it up and use it. I'm sure you have. Peter said, Lord, you know all things. His theology hasn't changed. Matter of fact, I mean, his, his doctrine was sound. His actions didn't quite reflect his doctrine. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Let me tell you what Peter was saying. At least that's what it said to me, is that, Lord, I know my actions don't always reflect my love for you. You know, you said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I seek to do that. But you know what? There's times when I miss it. Have you ever missed it? But it doesn't change the love that God has for us. God knows all things. He knows that we love us even when our actions don't reflect it. And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And what did Jesus did? He affirmed that love. Matter of fact, he said to Peter, Peter, there'll come a time, I mean, now you get up and you take care of yourself, but there'll come a time when others will get you up and will bind you and uh, take you someplace where you don't want to go. And as scriptures say, he was indicating to Peter the kind of death that Peter would uh, experience. And the scriptures don't say it, but but tradition and some of the history say that Peter... uh, was crucified, and he refused to be crucified like Christ, so he was crucified upside down. The love of God responds in this way every time. We may not always reflect his love, but if we'll take it to him, if we'll acknowledge it. You know, it's interesting, I read a a devotional this morning, and uh, the passage was, Jesus, after his baptism, I said that the Spirit of God led him out into the wilderness. And, and, and who did he contend with? <laughs> the devil. It's interesting that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, after his baptism, when he and John heard God's voice say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then God led him out and confronted him with, with the devil. Um, that's a good spot to, to start at. We need to recognize the source of the problems in our life. When I was in the Air Force, I was a weapons mechanic, and most weapons mechanic loaded bombs, and I was trained to do that and stayed certified in doing that. I was what they called a jammer driver. I drove the MJ-1 uh, bomb lift truck. Little things steered with the rear wheels. It was neat. To, uh, drive around, but when I was over there with war, I, I never loaded a bomb. I spent all my time troubleshooting aircraft. When they come back and the pilot said, I set up my switches, I pushed the button, and it didn't either it didn't release at all or it didn't release the way it was supposed to release and all. And so we had to go in and look for the source of the problem. 
finding and recognizing the source of our problem. We can look at what's happening today and say it's because of the political situation. It's because of uh, people that, the drug problem. I mean, we can, we can look at a lot of stuff, but the bottom line is there's, there's one entity behind it all, one person, and it is the devil. And the term that's used for devil is the word uh, diabolos. Diabolos in the Greek means divider. He is the divider. Now, Jesus spoke of him as what? The liar. Revelation calls him the great deceiver. Uh, He's the father of lies. Uh, But he is the divider. He divided Adam and Eve from God. He he divides us from, from God. And once we... We recognize, as Paul did, I think it's in, is it the sixth chapter of Ephesians, for he says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. If you think your problem is somebody else, you're mistaken. For we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but but with spiritual wickedness and high places and, 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 and demonic forces. When we recognize that, then we can go to the Lord and he can give us victory as he did with, with Peter. What does love do? It takes the initiative. It can be impulsive, but in the end it restores. And it restores us through his presence. Let me say something real quick. Jesus, before he left his disciples, said, I need to go. I need to depart from you. But if I go, I will send another like myself that not only will be with you, but will be in you. If I don't go, I cannot send this one to you. Our situation since the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus It's greater than it was for the disciples in their day. I know that there's been times when we've all thought, boy, I wish I could have sat at the feet of Jesus. Well, if you haven't, (laughs) you just haven't noticed that he's there. I mean, he's here today through his Holy Spirit. And we, I've, I've learned it more since I've retired because my time is a little more free to, uh, to sit. Uh, Bill, you've probably have appreciated it some since, Conditions, life, uh, has given you more time to to sit at his feet, to listen to him, uh, to give time to him. And I encourage you to do that. And it doesn't have to be as much time as this retired guy has, uh, but take some time. Let me conclude with a passage that I think you're familiar with. When we talk about what love does, Paul gives us a good example in 1 Corinthians 13. Beginning of verse 4, it says, For love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not is not boastful, is not conceited, does not lack, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, does not keep a record of wrongs, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, for love is eternal. Oh, listen, I pray that this week you might just give some time to say, God, just reveal your love. Uh, Paul, in one of his uh, letters, talks about uh, praying for the church that we might know the depth and width and breadth and height and, of the love of God and, and might be <clears throat> grounded in him and the love that he has for us. Let us pray. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness and for this, uh, for this passage and for the love that you've expressed for us. Because we are told that you revealed your love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we are grateful. Bless us, continue to reveal yourself, especially your love for us, to each of us, as we go through this day and as we go through this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.